Hello and welcome to Between Two Cairns. I'm Yochai. Hi, I'm Brad. Hi, I'm Amanda Lee Frank. Wow. And today we're going to review Reach of the Roach God. But first, let's introduce our guest, Amanda Lee Frank. Hi, Amanda. Hi. If you know who I am, it's probably because of the garbage barge. Yeah, we, um, we we love the garbage barge. It's, it's also Vampire Cruise. I think people know you from that as well. Just putting that out there. Vampire but, Cruise? Um, Mouth brood? Come on. Oh, I made my Actually, name in yeah. garbage, though, and I think that's the most important part. <laughs> yeah. I think you're right. I think most people don't realize, though, that you are quite the auteur, if that's the right word. You You both write and illustrate, which, first off, how dare you? I'm sorry. It's messed Second, up. Yeah. It is like, I think people don't even realize, um, but you did some work for Wyvern songs, right? You have some art in there. Yes. Yeah. That's my book. I paid yeah. Amanda to draw for me and, and she did. And that, that's, that was, uh, it's amazing that that works. I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah people can just give me money and I will produce art. It's, it's true. I got art from you yesterday mm-hmm. um, because you're doing stuff for Karen second edition. And, I just thought, wow, this is what I wanted, but I didn't know exactly what I wanted because I don't know anything about art. So, good job. (laughs) That's what I I try to do. I, I, you know, I read the words and then I, (laughs) I think about what would it look like if you could see it. Amazing. You see, that's how I think that it works, but it doesn't seem to all the skill required to create pictures. That's just that's the part I haven't quite grasped yet so i'm very i'm very impressed with that yeah i'm not like i'm not like a a, a money centric guy i don't really live my life around like gotta get more money you know i'm i try not to you know i try not to be like a a, 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 you know an uncle scrooge type character you know what i mean i think there's more to life than counting my 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 you know tower full of pennies and dimes and stuff but i have to say Having money is kind of a magic trick in which you can send it to artists and they will produce art for you. And that is like, how did this magic spell happen? You know, but the power of money compels uh, it to exist. And I think that's amazing. Amanda, thank you for making art for my book. What a thrill. Uh, that's I don't know where I'm going well, with this, but I don't know. Money I good. love to do it. And I take that money and you know what I do with the money? I spend it on um, a layout artist. Because that's wow. what I can't do. Wow! It just mo- it just around. continues to move through yeah. through the world, the endless world of RPGs. It's and I send it to kind of I send magic. it to an editor so that Come my on. my words don't sound bad. Wow! Yeah, so you can write really well and draw, but you can't lay out. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I can only do one thing, and it's not that well. But I still am very impressed, and I hope that. Um, people can see more of your art because I think it's really neat. And unlike a lot of the other stuff that we see in any of the kind of the RPG scenes that I've, I've been involved in. So um, we are really happy to have you here. Yeah. We have a couple questions for you and then we'll dive into the, our main review, which um, we're really excited to talk about. It is, it is a, it is quite a work. Um, so let's, let's start with um, asking you about you. How did you, Amanda, get into role-playing um well uh when i was in high school i played a little bit of role-playing games with my high school friends um like you know you stay up all night on the weekend because no one has a job and then you order an enormous pizza and you don't sleep until the sun comes up um and then 
I did not play role-playing games for a very long time, and I uh, met a friend of mine who I do a lot of writing with now, who is like, we need to, we, we should look at all of these cool OSR games. We need to play some of them. And he started setting up sessions, and um, after uh, like playing in a couple of groups, I was finally thought like oh, I could maybe I could run a game. And then I, I ran the garbage barge for like uh you know a year wait, and a half wait, or so. Wait, wait, wait. What? You're saying the first time you GM'd was for what became the garbage barge? Yeah. That was <laughs> <It's God. laughs> that was that's how <laughs> that's okay. just like the, the barge is just all the stuff I like. So I I <laughs> and when when Zine Quest came around, I was like, I don't know, I've got all these notes. Maybe I could make this into a zine. Right? It's just a zine. No one will care if it's bad. So uh-huh. amazing. Did you have any connection with that kind of with any adjacent worlds like zine making or I don't know. At this point I don't even know what we, what is adjacent to role playing, but art, I what else what what else did you bring into that that you that isn't common in in the scene? Yeah, like I I I went to art school. I um you know, I, I I'm really into comics. I did natural history illustration in school. So I w- worked at the Field Museum for a little while in the Department of Insects. Um just like cataloging insects and stuff. <laughs> and I I feel like this is actually related like the sort of Totally. Um I'm seeing that in like mouth brew. I mean, that's that's that. A lot of the work I did comes out of the sort of scientific illustration world, I think, cuz I've just done a lot of it. I love to draw dinosaur bones great stuff um and i think also that i don't know there's like a relationship between this sort of systematizing of a role-playing game like um you know like lots of charts lots of little creatures that you've got carefully laid out and the sort of systematizing you get in the world of science like you go to the museum and you catalog (laughs) the beetles and like every beetle has it's got it's got a name and it's got all of its information written out on a tiny (laughs) little piece of paper that you can look at and it's all right there and there is really a joy in that so you're you find the taxonomy Mm -hmm. between (laughs) like entomology and role-playing game stats to be connected that's interesting i think that it's not that they're like it's just that the the pleasure of that is similar. Like it kind of yeah. like I don't know. Like it pleases a similar part of the human brain. Yeah. Um, like the Natural History Museum is a monster manual. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I, the, you know, I, when I was ten years old, I went to visit um, some relatives in Washington D- Washington D.C. and I I went to the Smithsonian there. And I was a, like, I was actually scared, not like a little scared. Like I, it's, it was a, it's a scary place. There's, there's I'm just the, the skeleton of a whale. I, I, that's terrifying. I saw a coelocanth and it just said on it, these things are still alive. <laughs> I don't need that. <laughs> I, you know, I, it was not. Yeah, the world is, the world is terrifying. The natural world is terrifying. The more you learn about it, the worse it gets. Um, uh, but <laughs> luckily, in the world of role playing, you can do magic, so it kind of evens out. It does help. Uh, yeah, and so Brad, you had some questions you wanted to ask as well. Yeah, well, Amanda, I just I really admire your modules. Um, both, the, I mean, there's just a fresh perspective. Um, I feel like your approach to role playing games is just really unique compared to a lot of other like kind of other like similar you know stuff out there. Um, one thing that I think is really interesting is your work is generally system kind of neutral, system agnostic. Um, 
you know, and I think that's kind of an interesting approach. Like, you know, it's to some degree, like, can a module truly be system agnostic? You know, you kind of focus and zoom in on certain aspects that support different types of play. And I don't know, your, your stuff isn't like, in, it's not labeled like OSR and yet somehow it, it seems to be. So I don't know. I'm curious, like, what it like what do you play like what are you running these for and what kind of like rpg guideposts are you kind of using to kind of craft these works i guess i was actually i think it would be interesting to talk about like system neutral system agnostic stuff like in relation yeah. to the game we're going to be covering later too but definitely like, yeah um because it's in the the most recent thing that i put out which is the submarine game I actually yeah. just like wrote a little system specifically for it um, because I've been most everything I've made, I have made to play with this a, a really like simple um, OSR style system that one of my friends made. And we just use that to run it. And it just like does <laughs> whatever you need. It's totally bare bones. It does whatever you need. Um, yeah. And then I have just been kind of, you know, making it system neutral for my own games so that people could use it with whatever. But I think it's interesting to think about whether it is more useful to start, if you've got a game that you're reading and you're probably going to end up running it with whatever you usually run games with, if it is more useful to translate that from like zero into your own system, or if it would be easier to translate it from like existing system A into existing system B. Because you can get more... If you're whatever system you're working with, you can get more like details in there if you're working yeah. with an existing system than if you're working with like just kind of vague, um, like neutral system. But on the yeah, other either hand, way, you're kind like, of doing translation work, right? But it's yeah. kind of yeah, it's it's interesting translating from zero is, is kind of a, its own challenge, I think, with a system neutral system. Yeah, I don't think there's a correct answer to this, but. <laughs> right, I think what has, what has been helpful to me when flipping between different systems, especially for for this podcast, um, even if they're they're just rephrase, you know, well, we do a lot of BX style, but they're, you know, we did a world's vote number one the other day, and we've done Troika and stuff. Um, I just try to think of things kind of how the stat blocks are written in this book we're going to be reviewing. I just try to convert everything to kind of prose. Yeah, I don't think of it as like mechanics but i i try to convert to a system neutral style um prose and then and then when i eventually play it i might convert that back into whatever i'm doing yeah um yeah so moving on uh amanda you well you seem to do a lot of commission work i say this because i have uh commissioned art from you and so has yochai actually so we know you're drawing other people's stuff uh we have uh we have proof of that in our in our uh paypal accounts but um you are you know you're making your own stuff crush death crush depth apparition ship ship this year it looks awesome um you've got uh your it's not uh patreon it's the other thing what is it this is cool um it is called camaraderie camaraderie Camaraderie, yeah camaraderie and it's not a patreon but it's basically exactly like patreon and um it's a new thing it's a co-op it's like a worker-owned co-op so the idea is everyone who is a member who's got a page on there um they get to vote on any changes that like the whole like thing might make so 
I don't, if you follow like artists or writers or people who are on Patreon at all, like every, it seems like every like couple of months, Patreon's like, we're going to change things up. And it's always terrible. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So uh, instead of doing that, there's this like, this cool group that they've have this kind is kind of a like, the website's a little bit janky and it's, you know, it's not as, you can't make comments on it. But it like it works, and they're still building it, and it's it's just in a closed beta now. But we're supposed to be moving into like uh, open beta soon, so we'll have more people on it. Uh, yeah. and it's it's great. Like they have, they're like really idealistic. They really want to just like make this thing that works, and it's not a big corporate corporation that's going to eventually like sell themselves off to I don't know microsoft or whatever (laughs) and (laughs) take everyone's money and disappear um so yeah so you can go if you go on camaraderie.com um and subscribe to my page which you can get there from my itch page but you can also um just i will put a link don't worry yeah camaraderie.co or something um and uh what i'm doing over there is uh every month i'm putting out like I don't know, like 10 to 15 little pieces of spot art, um, yes. mostly in black and white, but sometimes in color and various, like, you know, just like big two pages of monsters, two pages of spaceships. Uh, and uh, then about every other month, sometimes it's a little bit longer, I'm putting out sh- real short adventures. Um, yes. And they're all different. Some of them are pretty weird. I've been using this <laughs> as like kind of an excuse to experiment and just try things out. Um, and they're all all of the adventures are fully illustrated. Um, and so if you if you sign on now, you get access to like I think there's like seven <laughs> adventures and like a couple hundred pieces of artwork, and you can get yes. commissions from there. And yeah, that's the main thing I've been working on right now lately. It's cool. Yeah. I'm a subscriber. I really liked your uh, like the Wizard Homes illustration. I thought that was great. But you're putting out a lot of games. You're putting out a lot of art. You're doing a lot of commissions. And then you have your long form work, Crushed Up Apparitions. So you have a lot going on. Yes. So I'm just curious, like, okay, how, what's what's this balance like? How much are you saying, like, I want to do commissions versus, like, I need to block out time for my own work? You know, is this is this a struggle or is this something that's, you know, is fitting in your life comfortably here? What does that look like for you? Oh, I just work all the time. <laughs> but that's okay because it's, it's good fun work that i like <laughs> no balance just work just draw yeah okay yeah, great yeah only drawing <laughs> yeah so one thing i was curious about when you you did zine quest what twice three times three times three times three yeah, are you, are and that's you it doing... i'm never gonna do it again <laughs> <laughs> that was my question is if you're planning on doing either zine quest or zine month or whatever no, no i got okay. i got in and i got out is it but here's the thing is i think that like i mean this is this isn't this isn't totally true it's just the decision i have personally made is that like zine quest is really cool if you've never done anything before like as a sort of like anyone can jump in and make a zine for zine quest and i feel like i've done now that i have done three of them it's time to like step back and let other like new creators come in so yeah so hopefully like through although it's harder now because so, social media is so kind of like spread out um but mm-hmm. like i feel like it would be better to like support like new creators or like look at all of their stuff and like publicize it if you people are doing stuff you think is cool and all that like i really got helped out when i put out the garbage bar scene because people like got excited about it and posted about it and shared it all over the place um and then it did really well so i want to to the 
whatever extent possible, like turn around and do that for other, um, you know, RPG writers that are just getting started. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, that's like the big, the big turkey, right? That's a great way to get a lot of public, get a lot of eyes on your work, you know, make a chunk of change. It also seems like a lot of work that sucks really bad. <laughs> I don't know. Just from like an outsider, it seems like a lot to manage, right? It's just another job that you have to put on your list of jobs. Anyway, that's cool. Nice. You got your three boats. We're done yes. for now. Do you have another, any long form works you're working on after uh, post submarine here? Not at the moment. No, I'm just yeah. doing the short, like camaraderie things. I'm sure eventually something will come up that's like, feels like it should be bigger, but I don't yeah. have anything totally planned at the moment. So yeah, the bluebird of inspiration flies where it will, you know? Um, great. I'm excited to see what's next. Um, uh, yeah. Well, all, all right. So that's great. Thank you so much. And let's um, jump into our main review. Yay. For today's review, we're going to be discussing Reach of the Roach God, which is by Centaur Games, who also, at the time of publishing, which were ZXU doing the text, doing the writing, and Munkau doing the art. Um, they are no more. And I'm not even sure you can buy this in any form at the moment, unless you buy like card chumpers. Yeah, I think yeah, you can ahead. get it from Spearwitch. Right, right. They have some leftovers from the original printing, but I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's coming back, and we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, but first, I'll just go over the credits. Um, again, this is art by Munkau. Uh, it was written by Zedek Shu. The layout is by uh-huh. HRF Type, uh, with assistance by, from Grace Wong. And there's a whole bunch of other credits on here, playtesters, additional assistants. Um, I think before we really go into discussing this further, uh, both Brad and I should clarify that I am friends of Zedek and he plays in my West Marches game. Uh, while uh, Brad, you do some work that's upcoming with Munkau. <laughs> yeah, I'm working on some stuff with Munkau and we're, we're buddies. So yeah, and uh, Zedek has been on the show, and he's a friend of the show. We love Zedek's shoe. So we love these guys. <laughs> we have friendly entanglements. Um, Amanda, you've worked with Zedek's shoe as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote a little piece for the Garbage Barge, actually, which I was, um, because I, I was like, I got, um, I don't know, I got really lucky. Everyone I asked to collaborate on that, even because I was, I was going out and asking like my, my most admired, like, you know, <laughs> writers, if they would yeah. write something for my game. And that was the first thing I'd ever published. And they were like, yeah, okay. So yeah. Um, <laughs> I, 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 he's, he's just really good. Yeah, well, it's interesting because he wanted to review Vampire Cruise. <laughs> it's like, and now you've turned it around. Got a great swap here. Now, now it's time. Yeah, no, no, it's good. I, I'm glad you suggested this. I just want to, clarify what this is it is a um 300 page hardback beautiful book it is three adventures and then a bunch of setting information in addition to the that adventure those adventures um so it's kind of an interesting one to review this is i was thinking about this the other day this is sort of like if we took uh wyvern songs brad and we uh-huh. just reviewed each <laughs> individual adventure yeah um, we yeah, should. It's pretty good. I think we should maybe put it on our list. <laughs> I would just criticize it the whole time. You have three guests. We have to have three guests. <laughs> yeah, maybe, did, yeah. And then you, yeah. you guys will just be quiet and you'll have to listen. <laughs> oh, my God. That takes me back to like uh, like writing workshops in college, a.k.a. the most like 
anxious moments of my life, like watching your peers tear down your creative writing. Yeah. Um, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't also mention, uh, the typeface is a thousand thousand islands by HRF type. Having your own typeface for your hardcover book, that is a baller move, dude. That is, that is, I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty rad. That's pretty rad. And it looks good. I like it. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Right. And so this, so let's talk before we get Amanda's pitch. I want to just really briefly discuss. We should briefly talk about what happened with Centaur Games and a little bit about the history of this setting as well. How about I'll do the setting, Brad, and you talk about the recent happenings? Does that sound okay? Well, yeah, I don't want to dwell too much on the recent happenings. They had some. We should talk like, about uh, it. We should okay. Talk about it. Sure. We'll we'll mention it. I mean, it sounds like there was a professional fallout. Little, you know, there's some messiness, and they're no longer working together. I don't know if we need to go up much beyond there. We don't. It's just it to me the impact is that. Both this book and the other Thousand Thousand Islands yeah. uh, zines are no more. Um, right. You know, we're unlikely to see reprints in the future, which is a shame because I, a Thousand Thousand Islands is, in my mind, the best thing ever written for old school play. I, yeah. It's, it's my great. favorite, favorite thing. And I said this well, well before I knew Zedek or had written, read some of his other work. I, think it stands alone on you know many people feel this i don't think i'm alone in that respect um i was really excited about this when it was kickstarting because uh it was just finally gonna you know take first off it was something new in that setting and then second it was going to be a real book that they could dig their hands into and and um and and yeah so um they are there are probably not going to be any more reprints so if you are listening to this get a copy if you can it's totally totally worth it um but uh, yeah, let's uh, move on to Amanda. Why did you suggest this? Uh, because it it's great. I love caves. I love being in caves. <laughs> I love bugs. I think they're fascinating. Um, I think that I I think that like as you were talking about earlier, I think that like the fact that this this game coming out got kind of overshadowed by the um, sort of like like personal stuff is really sad because as a work it deserves to be like i don't know like talked about and 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 read and it's like so ambitious and it's so good and i i think all of the thousand island games are really amazing too um but this one is just i don't know it's it's huge and it's really cool so i'm glad that we even if it is hard for people to get like you should you know go and get this while it's around it's super yeah Definitely. Um, yeah, I think it is, it is overshadowed by some of the, you know, the online dissolvement drama here. But, you know, <clears throat> I think as like a, a, a work, you know, it's a cool celebration of a really rich creative, uh, pairing here. And yeah, it deserves to be celebrated in and of itself for sure, you know? Um, yeah. And hopefully that's, that's what we can do about with it. Well, let's give some basic information about the setting. Uh, so, A Thousand Thousand Islands is a Southeast Asia-inspired, I would say, very low fantasy, potentially animist and um, fantastical uh, jungle <laughs> environ. I, I'm trying to think how else I can describe it. Yeah. There are, There's- you know, go ahead. Oh, I was going to, I think the thing that really strikes me about this stuff is that 
there are a lot of um, talking animals that yeah. are treated exactly on the same level as all of the people. Like it is never in the least remarkable that you are hanging out with like a huge lizard. Um, Sometimes they don't even tell you. You only can infer from the picture. Yeah. <laughs> I, I ran so this great. for um, some friends and I mentioned like they saw an orangutan wearing like a silk robe running into the jungle. And my player was like, whoa, okay, hold on. Is that unusual? Like, is that? And I'm like, uh, it's notable, but not unusual. And they're like, okay. And it just instantly like felt okay. That's the vibe. Yeah, there's right. there's like but orangutan people here. That's interesting, but it's not like it's the like, craziest thing I've ever seen here. It's not like it's like well, this orangutan is from the orangutan tribe. No, right. no, no. Oh. They live in this place. But then yeah. there are also bat folk tribes, you know. Yeah. But it's but the fact that they're bats isn't what's really relevant. Like they. Yeah. And and also the sizes of people. Like yeah, it's a bat, but it's not a small person. It's a it's a human-sized bat, right? Or a human-sized, um, you know, mole or whatever. It's, it's yeah. they just don't or stalagmite, you know, what yeah. have you. And, but it, yeah, it somehow like lacks like the wink winkiness of like Narnia, where it's like I'm a badger, hey, you know. I mean, I love Narnia, but it's it's just like it's it feels so natural that these things happen in the way they're presented, and especially I think in the way that they're illustrated, because it's a very like realistic depiction of these things that is. It's like a serious portrait of like a lizard person right. or whatever. Yeah. I think that gives it a lot of a lot of weight. It's not just the humanoid animal creatures. It's also there's a lot of like there's just ghosts who have jobs. And um, yeah. in some of the Thousand Thousand Island zines, you know, there's people with swords for heads or ship uh-huh. uh, masts for heads or someone who's had their head are their heads are just feet. You know, <laughs> um, and I guess in this case it's a ghost, but still, uh, there's there's so much mingling, and then there are just spiders that are normal spiders yeah. or large spiders, but they're not humanoid spiders. You know, it it just doesn't have any real rules um, around that stuff, but it also doesn't stray into the Gonzo where you. No, it seems like it's all of like it's all of a piece. Like everything you encounter makes sense in this world, and. Not being someone who comes from like this culture or grew up with it or is deeply familiar with it, I don't know if this is like this is all coming directly out of like the mythology or the storytelling of like the part of the world that this was created in. But um, yeah. it all once you you like you get into these books and you read it and it's like oh this makes sense. These are regular people. They're not yeah. like fairy tales. <laughs> they just, they'll have a friend who's a ghost and, uh-huh. you know, and it's, it's, I don't know there's, there, I think, I guess this is like the low fantasy thing. Like there's a real sense that you are not in a mystical like world. You're in the regular world and people's concerns are extremely like real world concerns. I yeah. think that's one of the really good parts about it. Like people have like love affairs. They get, yeah. they get yes. angry. They have like, everyone's everyone's motivations are extremely like human and regular and it's really like easy to get into it even if the setting is unfamiliar you're like oh i know what it's like when you're um you know in love with a pangolin and they don't want to talk to you anymore (laughs) i would know exactly what to how to role play this yeah it's so matter of fact Mm-hmm. And and um yeah like of course oh yeah this bat is in love with this this this, this person of course the bamboo cutter of course they are yeah and the First bamboo cutter like, lo- loves him because he pretends to be a handsome ogre yeah. <laughs> like a lot of this stuff is super horny but not yeah. in a gross way <laughs> ever creepy this is also true in a thousand thousand islands there's sort of like 
orgasms are referenced on an infrequent basis. Yeah. But it isn't it isn't in a gross way. It's in a almost sweet way or you know there's also it it's not it's also not very heteronormative. It just doesn't care. You know, it's the yeah. so, some of the monks are boys mm-hmm. who love boys and it doesn't really matter. It's just right. sort of a fact and it's made very matter of factly. Yeah. Um, there's also a sort of humor to how it's presented. Um, like, for instance, with the the bat that is pretending to be um, a handsome ogre, uh, it's it says, what if she discovers he is a bat? What then? What to do? He begins to hyperventilate. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just very, it's very cute in that way. It's almost yeah. twee. That's the thing I would, I would, the one thing I want to say, like if anyone is hesitating about playing any of these games, like the thousand thousand islands games or any of, yeah. any of this stuff, like, um, I was, I feel like, like there's a certain amount of hesitance that even I feel when I'm starting one of these games. Cause like, I don't know this world. This isn't the, like, this isn't like yeah. knights and fairies. This, I'm going to get stuff wrong when I'm running this game. And, yeah. but that's the, the, that's like, it's kind of like the announcement I make before I start playing it. Like, I'm just going to do yeah. my best. Like, and the thing is, the text and the pictures together, they give you everything you need. Um, like there is the text is so clear. The characterization of the NPCs is so clear. Um, you've got like pictures of what everyone looks like. I mean, when I'm running games, I always show pictures to the table because like, why wouldn't you? Um, and it's anytime I've had a question about like, what would this look like? Or how would this person ask? It's, it's there for me. Like, I don't need to (laughs) guess. I feel like with a lot of when I'm running a module, there's always some degree of filter that I is the work is going through me to get to my table. (laughs) And to varying degrees. Sometimes I'm retranslating like oh, an entire block of text is like I'm re- recontextualizing it. I'm like, you know, totally making it my own and regurgitating it. I feel like that filter is so minimal with Thousand Thousand Islands. Like with this book, I'm just like reading whole swatches of text here, especially when like an NPC. I'm just going to like mm-hmm. read that block of text around it. The text, there's usually like dialogue. I'm definitely reading that dialogue and I'm always showing the art. Um, like this book is just getting passed around the table when I'm playing it. And I think that's kind of rare with, with the module, like the filter is so low here. It's just like, jump in the book, everyone, here we go. Like I'm facilitating you reading this with me and I'm going to hide some parts, but like, I don't know, this is a work that just can be shared by the table. I think. I, I think there's also such a plethora of art yeah, uh, it, it, every single page has art. It's got, yeah, you know, every single page, and it's uh-huh. all original, and it's all for this setting. And yeah, um, it's yeah. it would be very hard to separate the two. You know, they are one and the same in my mind. No, yeah, it's you can tell it's very everything is written extremely carefully so that there is no doubling of information between the art and the text. <laughs> like, yeah, you don't you don't get the text doesn't describe what you see. The art shows you what you see and you look at the text and the text is like, this is some stuff that like people are saying out loud that. Yes, you know, it's right. It's, you don't need to you don't need to describe. You don't need to know that the white falls look a certain way you can just look at the picture and then when you look at white falls on the page you see oh okay steps carved into the shallows busy with bathers at dawn or after the uh kukal school training you know it doesn't it 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 only tell they work in tandem so i'm sorry i just repeated what you said which is what we said this book is not doing but but yeah i 100 (laughs) percent agree with you Uh, there's also a modern language 
uh, portrayed throughout. Um, Mm -hmm. There is, you know, I, one example is the use of the phrase camera flash. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Oh, it's like a camera flash or it's like a, a TV radio, you know, there would be these examples from our world that are used to describe things in this world, which I know is always a choice, right? <laughs> yeah. So we usually do kind of like a round robin thing where we give like, here's, here's what I thought. And we say, what, mm-hmm. what was good? What didn't work? Do you guys want to do that? We've kind of been just like spitball and freeform here, but should well, we do a, a hot potato well, kind of thing? We, can we just clarify the over? Yeah. I want to over do an overview. Yeah. It is, there are three adventures. Yes. And mm-hmm. we should talk about each one if we can, because I thought some worked better than others for me. Okay, yeah. And then I and then I also want to talk about how or whether the setting information after the three adventures um, impacted yeah. my view of the book. Well, let me um, do a, a summary of the adventures then. How about that? And then we'll hot potato this thing. Is that I, love okay? I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. Okay. So the three adventures here. Um, let's see. Let me find the table of contents. For you, uh, for you table of contents heads out there, there is one. Here we go. Okay, first I, adventure. I, uh, wait, first off, uh-huh. yep. I want you to know, <laughs> a table of contents is only necessary if you're using it as a reference later. Which this book, yes. I would be referencing all the time. Yeah. So, you're welcome. Thank you. Okay. All right. I'm not okay. sure what what the point you're making here is. The point is you're your sliding you're sliding the table of contents. They are uh, good. It is objectively. A I'm good not. I'm not gonna. I'm not learning a lesson here. Okay. I'm okay. Not, like, Moving I don't on. That's what you're trying to do. Moving okay. on. Three adventures. First one is called Quiet Lake. This is. Um, and by the way, the connecting theme on all of these is the Reach of the Roach God. The title. There is this Roach God, an insidious force of cockroaches that is infiltrating everywhere and with a special focus on subterranean spaces. Okay. Quiet Lake is a small town with problems. There is um, bad tidings afoot on this riverside village. It is right next to a kind of divine lake that was created by a god's tears. And yeah, insidious forces are moving in. NPCs here have their own little dramas that connect to a greater struggle. And PCs are, I guess, investigating. They're likely going to be drawn to this lake and under it where they're going to be um, probably engaging with, um, I don't think it's a spoiler to say, cockroach forces. Uh, there are some bad bugs afoot. Uh, chapter two is called Spider Mountain Temple. This is a temple complex um, around a, a kind of a, a sacred mountain. And there are four factions of, um, I guess, worship here. There's four kind of divinities here, and they're, um, they're related uh, monks, worshipers. Um, one of the factions here has been co-opted by the Roach, and there are ramifications of that. There, The Roaches are trying to kind of take over. There are lots of little gods here, like little stone idols that have divine power, and this is all about, I guess, navigating factions and trying to suss out the, the cockroach uh, evil here. Finally, Chapter 3, City of Peace. This all takes place in an underground... Um, it's kind of like a, a world of the dead. This is kind of like where the dead come to be interred, but there's also where dead just live. There's ghosts. Um, yeah, there's kind of like a veil where that you can depart to somewhere else. Um, and it's a point crawl where, um, I guess you're accompanying a village who are coming here to inter their dead, but there's some negligent, um, attendees here, uh, that we're dealing with. 
this one, the roaches are the least prevalent forces here. I mean, they're here, but that's not really the, the focus of the adventure. They are just kind of like one faction. They're, that's, they're troublemakers. They're there's, troublemakers. There's yeah. A, but, um, yeah, this one, it's just kind of like some clashing personalities, clashing factions in this um, kind of interesting world of, of the dead, I guess. So yeah, those are the three. And then like you said, we have some setting uh some setting stuff, some locations and um other appendices in later chapters. I think like can support and connect the work. There's ways to connect all three adventures physically um with cave systems. I think that's a pretty pretty cool idea. So there we go. Let's let's talk then. Hot potato time. Amanda. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you like this book. What'd you think? What was good? Did you struggle with anything? Did you run it? Tell us about you and Reach of the Roach God. I ran. I, so I made a mistake, which was that I got really excited about Spider Mountain. And I just jumped my group right into Spider Mountain Temple. And I shouldn't have done it. I should have started with Quiet Lake. Um, and because it's it's there is so much information in, <laughs> in the spider. There's like all so many factions. And there's all of the roach stuff and it's so big that just like jumping in there like without any preamble means you spend like four sessions just talking to people which is not terrible but it means it is so it, it you end up like having nothing but exposition basically for a really long time um yeah. and it's like 70 pages too it's a, i think it's that's really the long. big one right that's the it biggest is, yeah there's a lot it, going on um is, and I think what I think is the really remarkable thing about these three adventures is that if you take them in order, the sort of way that they move from like this small contained, like it's like personal village, like the there's like, you know, three or four people that all have these really personal concerns. And then there's a sort of wider disaster that develops. And you move from that to like this big huge town basically with all of these people and it's kind of like the same issues but writ large and then the third adventure like you're going to the land of the dead it's like every time you're stepping up into this even more exciting place um and they're all linked together so that you're learning more about this world as you go through them it's just so exciting like i felt like like reading through all of this like you turn the page and you're like oh this is this is really cool and yeah. being constantly surprised by each of these things as they happen. And in a way, I think it actually, like, by the time you get past the three adventures and you start on in the more of the details about, like, stuff underground, it's almost like a bit of a letdown. Because, mm. like, going to the Land of the Dead it seems so exciting. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. so cool. There's all those weird ghosts. And then they're like, oh, well, there's some... There's, you know, there's some other stuff down here too. And, you know, and it's kind of, it's, it's, it's hard to get to think about how you can, it would be hard for me to figure out how to make a game out of that stuff. I feel like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. All right. So nice. Brad, how about, how about you? You want me to go next? Cool. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's, that's an amazing work. I think it's, uh, I love it. I love this book. I ran Quiet Lake for um some of my friends um and they had a great time they loved it um i enjoyed it as well um and i think was, you ran this in what i ran this in yeah not the most natural fit i ran it in the the spencer campbell rpg slayers which just made some kind of in, incongruous details like they were blasting uh 
cockroaches with like magical handguns, which <laughs> not quite like the vibe of Thousand Thousand Islands. But um, yeah, I was just kind of like, yeah, roll with it. You guys have magical Southeast Asian, you know, uh, <laughs> whatever fantasy handguns. Um, yeah, I have my own thoughts about that game. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think. OK, so high level, I think um, the, the strength of this work is the setting the factions, the NPCs. I think for my money, ZXU is the master of the NPC. I don't think anyone out there writes NPCs better than ZXU. Um, if I'm making an A team of like building an RPG, I'm calling ZX to write the characters in my book. That, I mean, that's as good as it gets. And I think the more, I think the most uh, fun to be had in these books is just getting the NPCs to interact with your players, to interact with each other, to have their, um, their wants and needs bouncing off each other. Um, that's what works the best. So getting the players hooked immediately. They're in this tea house. These players are gossiping. It was so easy to just have in casual conversation between players and NPCs to have these little mini threads come up. It's like, hey, my pearl necklace is missing. Hey, like my goat got bit by something. The players are instantly like out there. They're like, hey, we want to help these guys. Like, what are we doing? And that has so much connective tissue to get them interacting with the world. They would sometimes hit a dead end. Like they, they, the, the the goat herder had a hurt thumb and they escorted him to the healer's house. And then they're like, what do we do now? Let's go back to the village. Well, the town evolves. There was interactions with roaches that made things happen in the town. So it's just a natural flow, I think, um, that I think works really well. I think where I sometimes struggle with the work is when we zoom in on the actual like cave procedure, I don't think... ZXU is as interested in that stuff. <laughs> um, like the caves are abstracted and sometimes you kind of roll to see like what's in this cavern. And there's usually interesting stuff there, but it just doesn't really, you know, if you're randomly generating the passages and rooms in a dungeon, I, I think it's never as good as if, if like an auteur crafted dungeon experience. You know what I mean? There's like an optimal <laughs> like flow of things. And sometimes that flow is off if you're just going with randomly generated stuff. So it was, it, it was less easy for me to run. And I think less, it was less popping once we got to the actual dungeon. And I kind of see that, um, overall, um, I also sometimes struggled with just the information presentation. It's really um, spread out. Like you get NPCs and then you get a cave and then there's more NPCs and then there's like another map. And I was doing a lot of flipping trying to be like, where was that table of like things that happened with the roaches and stuff like that? So um, I wish it was organized a little bit different, a little more. Um, yeah, just like everything was kind of slotted into more easy to find, easy to access information. But, you know, that doesn't, that didn't detract from my enjoyment of it too much. Um, it's a really fun book just to read. And like you said, the art, oh my God, it's so generous. Every page is just full of art. The maps are gorgeous. Every NPC is, is illustrated. The monsters are suitably terrifying looking. When I slap down a picture of like, yeah, here's this roach uh, centipede that you guys are fighting. Like, just like, I don't have to describe it. They're just like, oh God, you know, um, amazing, amazing. So yeah, that's my, that's my potato time. Yochai, what do you got? I don't have much to add that hasn't been said already. Um, I really agree with Amanda that the city of peace, you know, that whole section and the ghosts and all that, um, felt a lot more lackadaisical in nature than the other preceding two adventures i liked it enjoyed reading it it's kind of a hey would you just want to hang out in the land of the dead for a while and 
here here's what happens you know it doesn't there there is stuff happening like if you spend too much time in one place it yeah triggers a series of events but there wasn't a sense of urgency to it which i think is fine but i understand why if you read it consecutively why that would be like kind of a letdown because you've got this kind of small adventure that was really in my opinion tight and and easy to imagine how it would go the second event the second uh adventure which is the spider mountain temple that one is just intense you know you have basically it's two adventures one is on the outside of the mountain one's on the inside of the mountain and there's definitely an obvious evil thing happening and there's these little through lines but then the third one i just felt like it should have been in the middle it should have been because it's sort of this it's sort of a voyage you know it's sort of a a a caravan that it just travels through and and here are the cities and and um places and inhabitants of this place and uh, you know, I really liked it. I just didn't find it as um, sustainable from an adventure perspective as the other two. Um, I will say my understanding of it all was um, inhibited a little bit by how the information was presented. Like a, a person or a character would be brought up and yes, they'd have a page notation there, which is super helpful. But I still don't know who they are because the the words aren't words I understand. It doesn't say like, you know, um, Lord so-and-so of so-and-so. And and I can think, oh, that's like an important person. It'll just say like the person's name, which is not a linguistic construct that I'm familiar with. So I don't know who, you know, it just it's like water that leaves my mind. Um, So Mm. I would then when I first see it, I'd have to go flip for it and read it, which feels sort of spoilery even though i'm the one reading the whole thing i don't, I don't know um <laughs> yeah I, and, and that's a that, that's a choice there are positives and negatives to doing it that way i do want to touch on one thing the layout is phenomenal like whoever yeah. this person is um hrf type yeah i mean wow top top of the game you know i really am impressed by how the information is presented on the page itself and yes the yes. use of 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 space and negative space and um the way uh text and art sort of are anchored together like for instance in on page 33 there's a view of lover's cave and i like that the cave map itself feels like it's dropping down it's descending as the text is also sort of descending to mirror the shape of the map mm, um yeah. and and i maybe that wasn't intentional like I just think it looks great. <laughs> and you see that a lot. Um there's a on the facing page there's also an overview isometric map that has these um rectangles and squares that sort of give you an idea of the the depth of where these things are. I just ah I have a hard time with that usually and here I had no issues paying attention, but I must say something and I this is not a spoiler. So I, this is not a deep dive thing. If you could both just quickly turn uh, towards the end of the book to, you'll know what I'm talking Oh, here it is. I found it. Go to page 275, please. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The chapter entitled The World. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, this is a fascinating page. Um, I'm going to describe it for our listeners. The bodies of the gods make the world. You will need at least two large figures. Fashion dolls, plushies, action figures, etc. 
at least four medium figures, half the size of large figures, thereabouts. Some small figures, minifigs, tabletop, wargame figures, etc. Lengths of black ribbons. The gods fucked and fought, they danced and they died. Arrange your large figures and medium <laughs> figures in poses of death and sorrow. Each should touch at least one other figure. More is better. Imagine them rotting, leaving cavities where their bodies once were. So are the earth and its passages laid. Now, sandwiched between these two texts, the what you'll need and the prose, um, are... <laughs> <laughs> it's an image of the Ninja Turtles, Spider-Man, some giant Legos, a little army man. And then is that Alice in Wonderland? Like, who, who is the that doll? in the middle? I don't know. Is that a doll? Yeah. A doll of a girl? Some, yeah, a Barbie a flower dress. Thing. Yeah. And they're all all these figures are tied together. Yeah. It's amazing. So the example that they chose are essentially toys from my son's toy box. Like, yeah. he has all these. And I just, I think it's amazing. I think it's yeah. an, it, it is such an example of what a unique work this is. This, the iconoclastic yeah, nature of this book. To clarify, this is a, this is a method, or it's a procedure for constructing, like, a subterranean map. Because the next page, we've taken the shapes of these dolls, and we can see they've been translated to, like, cave complexes. So, um... Yeah, would I mean, you actually do this? <laughs> I absolutely would. Okay, can I, okay, let me. I I have taken a bag of rice, spilled it on the floor, <laughs> and then traced around it to build a map for a world. I wow. have used so many different. The, the The rice thing works really well, by the way, because the the stray pieces can be used as islands. Um, if you do this on like a piece of paper, you can then get a marker and just. Just try it. You get a really cool map. I love map making. I love it. This is the most insane I have ever seen. And I yeah. think it's so great. I I think it it's so great. It's smart. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I I don't think I would. I mean, it's, I mean, I don't know. This is just kind of beyond my skill level to the draw something like this, I think. I mean, like to even try to like map. So I like the idea of it because you have these limbs connected. And it's not a 2D flat plane so they're caves so like ninja turtles arms could be up in the air if it's just touching another leg of a doll or whatever now we have like these 3d caverns connecting it so it's not all like 2d overview of a map super smart way to make map to make a, a cat a cave map we have these big chambers that's the torsos i think it's it's really smart and i don't know you know i would have to really think hard on a a, a better way to make like a 3d cave complex system um but I don't know. Part of me is like, do I really need a map of a 3D cave complex system? Well, I might I just mean, abstract it. As a sort of as a sort of intro into starting to think about the stuff in the back of the book, yeah. which is more, it's not an adventure. It's just these are things you can put in this world. Like, I think if I were to sit down with um, a bunch of stuffed animals or whatever and start doing uh -huh. this and going through the random tables and assigning stuff, that would be a really good way to start being like, oh, this is okay. This is this is my land that right. I am like contributing to. It's not just an adventure, and I can start thinking about what these like creatures that are made out of rocks would do, uh -huh. and like start like actually putting my own stuff in there. Um, so it it makes sense that way. <laughs> it definitely makes sense. Yeah, uh, I also want to point out that 
there was a decision made at some point about what you know they discussed what what miniatures one could use and then <laughs> i i'm guessing they they had to think like well is this like a ip violation or something because <laughs> it's it's a drawing of spider-man a drawing of yeah, ninja turtles i love it, it it's, that's it's such a good so drawing of these ninja turtles like that is exactly I, what it's these so great like, it's know? so great Amazing. yeah there's also soon after there's on page um 282 Four, there is my favorite illustration in the whole book, which is this like, I don't know if you'd call I, maybe it's like Gustave Doré style <laughs> yeah, image of this about. like tiny ass boat in the middle of this huge, terrifying, dark cavern. Oh, something else I thought was really cool. Yeah. Is how they measure time in the underworld using torches. Yeah. You know, um, um, which I, I've seen versions of that, but I love that there's a whole, the pale folk, their entire society yep. is based. Oh, I'll see you in three torches. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. It's, it's a cool. very veins of the earth influence, right, which they right, call out at the back. Right. I mean, that's a clear, clearly they, they were thinking about that, but it's great. I think it's so smart. Yeah. I love it. Well, all right. So I think before we go in the deep dive, my quick summary is this is an amazing work should be read by everybody, especially people who are trying to create things. Yes. I do think that there are some structural issues that make the adventures not equivalent um, in terms of what I would run. Like I could see running the first or second adventure any number of times. The third would be like an amazing drop in for us. You want a city of a dead sea of the city of the dead. Yeah. That you can just like spend time in. Yeah. Um, wonderful. I will say I didn't like the maps of the cities of, of the different cities in the city of the dead chapter as much. They, they were beautiful, but I found them less usable than some of the other maps. They're more abstract. Uh, and I, I mean, I'm fine with like point crawls and stuff. It just, it just seemed to me less satisfying visually. Um, I, otherwise I don't have a lot of negative things to say. I really love this and see it as a beautiful and, unfortunately ultimate conclusion to the a thousand thousand islands uh oeuvre <laughs> um yeah i i think it's beautiful and i i'm very sad we're not going to see more of this specific uh combination of talent but yeah um, i was really glad that it happened and and that we now have this artifact um oh, can i list one more thing oh my gosh okay on page 232 there is this reference. This is my favorite iconoclastic, like anachronism, whatever you want to call it. Um, okay. The Chitin Wizards. <laughs> is it Chitin? I thought it was Chitin. I've heard both. Amanda, you're a, you're a bug person. What is it? I would say Chitin, but you yeah, know that sounds how right. Are. I, I'm sure. No, you're, I'm sure you're right. I have heard it. I've heard both, but I've heard it from people I play with. So I don't think that really helps. It doesn't matter. Um, uh no I I'll I can adjust um anyhow <laughs> oversized tegmina like convocation robes worse than any um actually guy you know <laughs> and this is in reference to the um actually kind of uh-huh. nerd I I just I thought that was a beautiful like because yeah. you have this beautiful writing and then <laughs> this little like modern um, yeah. re- ref- refrain uh one thing we didn't talk about was how the stat blocks work since it's system neutral it's yeah. <laughs> quite quite it's quite interesting i've seen versions of this but never so terse um i'll just use as an example um the stat block i was just reading so these are little cockroach wizard dudes um they are described as extraordinary frail chitin craft arguing 
lying, acid-spitting wand, charmed wings, charmed bracers. Now that that's more kind of um warry, but let's do a different one like um let's do one that's less uh combat focused. Okay. There's this armadillo um who's called uh Atarizau. Um powerful, hail, war arts, surgery, stargazing, heart stopping kick, meditation steeled skin, golden amulet. So you just you take these stat blocks and yeah. you extrapolate what that means in your own system. I really like it. I think it's a good model. Yeah. It, it is both interesting to read and also usable in the ways that I care about. So I like it. Yeah. So they break it down in uh, page 15. The first word is the power that this creature wields in the world. Second word describes the health of the creature, hail or frail. So if you, you can either take hits or go down quick, that's great. That's an orc or a bear. That's all I need. Third sentence is a list of all th- of uh sorry a list of three skills this creature is expert at. Fourth word describes the creature's attack, and then the fifth sentence is a list of the creature's defenses. So how armored they are, if that's something that um, matters to your system. I think it's a smart way to do it. It's pretty clever. Yeah, it does require a little translation, but um, yeah, I think it's a, a very uh, comfortable uh, breakdown of of these creatures characteristic well let's let's uh jump in the deep dive if there's anything you guys want to talk about so uh all right deep dive starting now deep dive dive. um i don't know there's 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 so much to a book like this like i don't know how much i really need to deep dive you know what i mean there's roach stuff here um i don't know yeah here's okay here's something that i would like to talk about it's yeah. that um, the little uh, roach encounters in Quiet Lake, and then they do yep. a similar thing in Spider Mountain, where they have in they've printed little icons that yep. guide you through this sort of um, like that as time passes, the story advances because of either things that the players do or things that just happen sort of on a clock, and. I've played adventures where this happens before, and I've tried to write adventures where this sort of stuff is going on, where there's just like, you know, time passes and then this occurs. And then, and it is always so confusing to convey. And I never figured out how to do it. And then I read this (laughs) book and it's like, oh, you use little pictures. I should have thought of that. Why didn't I think about it? It's so much easier. Like in my notes for running the game, I was like drawing, like, okay, I'm at, I'm at two roaches now. Um, I can keep track of it. It's just like you can see at a glance where you are and it's not confusing and so smart. It is smart. I loved it. And I I just told my players too. I was like, oh no, you're at two roaches now. Like what? I'm like, the more roach stuff you see, the worse the roaches get. And they're like, oh, I don't think that was bad to share that. I I think like they could kind of see there was getting roachier, (laughs) but to see that they were having, had like a ticking roach clock, I thought was a useful tool. And yeah, really well conveyed with these little icons they just stick next to. This are the encounters that advance certain, um, yeah, certain clocks, you know. Unlike in the Quiet Lake one, it's very similar. It's very simple. Yeah. But in the in the um, Spider Mountain one, it is a more complex thing that's going on where, like, these stone guardians are moving around through the space depending on roles that you make. And it would be, without the little icons, it would be really confusing. And just having that there so you can yeah. kind of visualize it easier takes it into being just like, oh, this is just a tool that I'm using. 
anyway, I, whoever's idea that was brilliant, really good. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. The um, Spider Mountain Temple, that the complexity of that one just ramps up so much from yeah. quite like I, I that one. I was just struggling to make all the pieces connect. So I could definitely see your challenge mm. in in running that one. Uh, it feels a little daunting to me. Just so much. It's here's the the thing about Spider Lake is that you have there is a lot of people to talk to, um, and like one of the things that is so brilliant about the way this is written is that you, as the game runner, you have all you're given all of these like little gifts from the text. Like there's this junior monk called Beth that you meet right by the door. And he's a little dirty little kid and he's just kind of like a dumbass and he's always in trouble. So he's like this exactly the sort of character that your players are going to be like, oh, we're going to adopt him. We feel bad for him. And he's he's not only is he like he's always he's always in trouble. He knows where the secret path is that takes you up to the Boulder School. And he's got a crush on the dude that's like turned into cockroaches. (laughs) So he's like yeah. personally concerned with what's going on there, which is as like for someone to role play is so much fun. And yes. also you can tell how like, well, this might, if your players take him with you, this is going to come <laughs> up in like the final scene. This could really turn into a super dramatic moment. Like if they're going to kill this cockroach guy, then this little kid's yeah. going to be, it's just so incredibly smart. It's just really amazing. I don't know, like as someone who's done some writing, like you, and it's yeah. and this this character is contained within literally like you know, there's three sentences and a drawing. Yes, yeah, that's it. But that's, it's like that's, this that's is, classic ZDX uh, shoes. Just like I'm gonna be extremely terse, but say more in three or four sentences. Yeah, right. Yeah. All this like, box text ever will. One of the text is like the speech, the reported speech of this little kid. It's like he says, yep. "This isn't him." Some evil entity must be wearing his skin. You must help me save him. Like you say that to your players, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, we'll do it." Totally. That's I, such I really a smart like. Move. Th- I like the uh, the woman Brinty Bow's daughter. Yeah, yeah. Ha- she's like part. Only speaks part of, in like arrows that shoot out she, of her mouth. Yeah, she can't speak if she speaks. Yeah. Arrow, arrows fire out. Uh, it says she cannot speak. Um, books mean more to her than mo- than than monks do and she's clearly this like figure that's supposed to help you like yeah supposed to be there but I-, I think my players would just run away from her. <laughs> they would immediately re- they would see this woman where her i would show them the picture and the fact that she shoots arrows and they would just be <laughs> like get out of here i don't want- i know yeah i think it's a really smart move though to have the with a very lore rich adventure to give a guide to the players really early and it's, I think, a really smart way to make this grubby little kid who's like, hey, mister, you know, like, great. Get the sidekick little weirdo. He smells like sewage. That's going to make the players be like, what? what? Why? But um, it doesn't feel like it's really, I don't know. It it doesn't feel required, <laughs> but it also is inevitable. They're going to work with this kid. And I think it's a really smart way to convey that kind of extra textual information. Because there was a lot of uh, instances in the book sometimes where it like the method for interacting with stuff seems completely not obvious. Um, like I love, there's this character who's been 
living in like a dream for like a year. This is like, she's like the spider school um, disciple. And she's gone into this meditation chamber and she's been living in a dream and she's just there. And if you fall asleep touching her skin, you can enter the dream too. Amazing. I love, we can go into the dream world. Like, but how is anyone going to know that? You know? So I don't know, having like a little grubby kid to be like, Hey mister, I heard if you fall asleep touching a meditating dream, you can go, you know, I don't, <laughs> I think you would have to kind of do stuff like that. Put these NPCs around to give that information. Have you noticed that you always make the weird little guys be like from New York? That's like your, I have your like go-to? three RPG accents and one okay. is like the, the New Jersey guy. So he okay. shows up. Yeah. He was yeah. definitely in thousand thousand islands. I know that doesn't make sense, but yeah, there's a New Jersey, uh, okay. Malaysia, I think. Yeah. Totally. That's totally the easiest one to do. That's why I, I <laughs> put all of my guys talk like that. Um, this, <laughs> yeah. When you're talking about like, it's hard to know how to interact with things. I think this is yeah. an, this kind of related to something that I wanted to talk about, which is the like, there's, there is, there's a lot of kind of like hidden information just yeah. actually in the text, like right after the page where you learn about the dreaming monk, you run into the information about the ambassador spider um which is someone that you will most likely run into at some point um and it turns out if you read carefully enough that this (laughs) is the actual reason why everything is going wrong in the temple um and it's not like i don't think you need to know this information to like run this game but it is interesting that it is like this whole like the cause of all of these events is like buried Uh in like you know the last paragraph of this text about this single npc and i'm yes. i'm curious what you guys think about that cuz i feel like this is a this is an interesting aspect of a bunch of rpgs that i've read and it's something that i struggle with personally is like do you how explicit are you yeah. or should you be to the reader which is going to be the person running the <laughs> game about what yeah. is actually going on versus what are you going to kind of like hide in there as a special treat or out of like a sort of like literary delicacy about like not being explicit about what's happening. Yeah. From a usability level, um, I always want the summary. I would just mm-hmm. like, give me the breakdown. I want to know the ending of the adventure before I get past page one, you know, like so what are the would, likely outcomes? You would here? want it. You would want it to say the, from the beginning, there's this three eye spider. He died. And now the roaches got in. Let, well, let, let me say it this way. If I were, if I was writing that adventure, that's how I would do it. I would write a summary page one about here's what's happened. Here's the backstory. Here's what's happening now. Here's what could happen in the future. Um, because I think it, re- it, it gives context to all everything thereafter. Now I'm not saying they should have done it like that. Um, because, I like the way this text works. It's not on the side of GM usability, but I think it's such a confident, well-written work. It it works despite of my own um, predilections in that regard. I think ZXU writes like you are a visitor to these places. Um, In Quiet Lake, it starts off in this scene where you're in the tea house and you have NPCs sharing rumors. And it just feels like you're there when you're reading this as a GM. It just feels like you have just gotten off a boat and now you are hearing rumors. And as you read the work, you uncover more and more. 
it's not <laughs> it's not the easiest way to run an adventure as a GM, but it is a very pleasurable way to run it as a GM because it feels like I'm playing a game as I'm running it. Um, so it's hard for me to find fault in it and say, ah, this is this is you know put a, a, a value judgment, good or bad. Um, it makes it harder to run, but it is it's cool and it works and it's fun and the text is is a is a joy. So I don't know. That's how I feel. Well, I have questions for you, each of you. Yeah. Um, what was your favorite thing in the whole book? Like, what one thing made you just stand up and say, "Wow, that is incredible"? I know, I know, I know. Okay, okay. So you have one. <laughs> like, Hold on. That's so, that's the first. That's the first one. Wait, I, the okay. second thing I'm going to ask you is, what thing made your skin crawl? <laughs> yeah. Mm. Go for it, Amanda. Okay. So, and I remember like turning the page and reading this part. And and it and it and it's like this is the impact you can have when you kind of like let the information like emerge from the text rather than just like front loading it all in a summary. Is that like the person who the person who's reading it, they get to discover it like as they go. Um when you get to the the page, it's page one hundred, where it actually puts in Sister Boulder, which is the enormous boulder that's on top of the temple that's like balanced on this tiny yeah. tiny piece of rock and S- sister boulder has like stats um yeah. and suddenly yeah. you suddenly like you get to that and you're like oh no what's going to happen because the, <laughs> yeah. that like brings in this thing that formerly you thought like as you were reading it, it was just part of the landscape you know this is rock everyone worships her or whatever um no this is what this is is this is like this is a balancing act that is sitting up there and there is at least the possibility that the adventure is going to end by this you know is this rock going to still be up there when the adventure is over um and just the simple suggestion that this is not a permanent fixture that this could change that's like included within the stat block um not it's not like you're going to go up there and fight but uh (laughs) it's it's like this is a character this is like this boulder is a person um, it's a being, uh, it's, it's unarmed. Um, and, uh, yeah, like what's going to happen. And that was, that's my favorite part. It was really good. Yeah. That's really good. I like that. Um, uh, okay. My turn. Go ahead. I love the spread in the, uh, the pale folk chapter, which I guess is in, um, chapter four. Uh, which is called Bunianka. I love that there's a spread of how finger art works on one side and yeah. then how speech and light work on the other. And it just does so much to first off, create an original culture. Yeah. Second, make that culture make sense in the context of the game and of the, the cave system that they live in. Um, and then third, it actually has a mechanical impact too, because if you read onto the next page, it explains how time works, you know? And it, I just think this is like, if you are going to create a unique people, take these four pages and yeah. base everything you've done off of this framework. It is amazing. It does yeah. so much with so little. And I just loved it. I, this was the part for me that I just, I love languages and I like culture and this just does both things so well. Um, so yeah, so that's my, I mean, yeah, it seems sort of silly. I have a favorite illustration, but my favorite part was this. Um, what about you, Brad? What was your favorite part? 
Yeah, I don't know. The stalactite people come to mind. <laughs> it's just like yeah, a really unique. Amazing. <laughs> um, it's like a kind of it's a kind of a silly idea. They're stalactites, but they're people. But like their creation mythos is like, yeah, that's how it works. Like Mother Water and Father Stone. Right. Like it is a kind of communion in a cave, and I can see how that works. Um, and then. In just a few pages, the drama between them and this new like rock formation shows up that has abandoned. It's yeah, I don't know another one. They pack a lot of. Is that it? Packs a lot of just gameable stuff in like a small, like a few spreads there, like this weird people, but enough detail that it feels kind of real. The illustrations are drawn in a very serious way that I'm like, yeah, I can. I think I can I can sell this, <laughs> and then they have a they have a, they have wants they have things that players can help with. I think it's just I don't know it's small and it's just the kind of an appendix, but I love it. They um, uh, they remind me of ants. Yeah, definitely. And um, I do have a passage that, like you said, made my skin crawl. Um, this is just in and this I, I'm focusing on Quiet Lake a lot because I ran it, so I, I really read this more in depth than some of the others. But um, yeah, Mob Blatt's passages. This is like the Roach Queen's cave that you eventually find it's just this little passage it says the stone feels covered with feathers raise your light caramel scales ever rearranging roaches just like the idea that oh you have this little flickering light in a cave and you hold it up and the the cave is moving because the roach is here so yeah i just read that when we got there and that was enough to for the players to be like oh uh (laughs) i don't know if we want to really be here (laughs) like it it is uh yeah it's it's Really impactful writing in a, a small package. Well, my skin crawl one, I can read that. Yeah, what do you got? It's from the passage uh, just before Quiet Lake starts. Odoyok wept alone. In his tears was his love for the star Elalela. He wept it all away. As he wept, he changed. His skin turned to shell. His belly bloated with pus. His limbs shriveled into spiny hooks. In the language Elalela taught him, Odio cursed every star in the open sky. Finally, when he could weep no more, his tears filled a wide lake. The demon Odeok left his love behind. He kept its absence he kept its absence as the one lesson within him. He returned to his siblings and the deep womb of his birth to live an endless night. That was just the three that was, you know, only half of it, but um that I just I don't it's uh it's it's maybe it's not as um gross as some of the other things but uh yeah it, it really that that filled me with dread uh, yeah it was really on <laughs> so yeah it's great writing and it, yeah. what about you um amanda do you have any anything else oh, you no. wanna <laughs> what made my skin crawl yeah. in this but i you know i've spent a lot of time with bugs so ah. um well it wasn't it's not the bugs yeah bugs don't gross me out um yeah either but yeah i think the combination of caves and bugs is pretty effective though um mm-hmm. i think the art does a good job to convey how scary caves can be and then when you add the amount of like crawling life within them it feels yeah you're just adding pressure to that and, you, you know, know you know who was who was really gross is that um mikat the temple agent on page 160 or page 164 in the pdf um it's kind of an alien creature. Uh, oh, yeah. Or like That's a, weird. Like the leech. Kind of a leech, leech creature. Yeah. 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 Um, 
uh, attacked, their mouth reconfigures into three saw-like jaws. Yeah. Mikat may command their weight in blood, hemorrhage yours right out of your face. And the illustration does all the heavy lifting as well. It doesn't all of it, but it does. It makes it really creepy. Um, yeah. Their words don't quite line up with their lip movements. Oh, just. Man, I want to shout out the illustrations of the actual roach gods, too. When you get to, like, the roach. um, At the end. Yeah. And when you actually get to Odoyak and it's a full spread and you turn it sideways, it's like, what? It was. Yeah, that got me. The antenna, the sprawling antenna. Well, all right. Uh, Do we have anything else you want to add to this? I mean, I know this has been a love fest, but what else was it going to be? Um, It's it's just really good. What can you say? It's good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, you know. Everyone should read this. It's yeah. so good. Yeah, okay. I agree. I don't, you know, right. it's, uh, I don't, yeah, I think most people can find some great stuff here. I don't know if the, the real dungeon heads out there are going to latch on as hard, but come on, there's this, this is just like so fertile. There's so, so much amazing stuff here that, yeah, it's worth having. I love it. It's an amazing book. Uh, all right. Well, why don't you give our listeners uh, some more information about how they can find your work on the Internet, Amanda? Oh, um, well, you can go to um, you can go. Probably the easiest place is to go to my page on itch, itch.io, because I put all the links to all my other spots on there. Um, and you can find that at Amanda Lee. Uh, dot itch dot io and from there you can get to like my portfolio and to my camaraderie page if you want to subscribe to that and all of the other social media spots so i think that's it okay great there you go yeah thanks for being here amanda we're super fans at least i'm a super fan i think you're, hi, you're you. a super fan too Speak for me. Yes, I also am a big fan. Oh, I'm a super fan. I'm a big fan of you guys. So uh, it was so cool. Um, Thanks. All right. Well, cool, cool, cool. This has been Between Two Cairns. You can find us at between two cairns at gmail.com and send us a message or an email, a question, whatever. Uh, You can also find us on the Between Two Cairns channel on the Cairn Discord and uh, many other people who talk about the podcast once in a while most of the time it's other things uh we are going to be back next week i'm guessing hopefully yes and um if you are going to be at uh pax unplugged this year i will be there in philadelphia so come say hi if you like uh also i'm launching a kickstarter for beyond the pale which is my jewish setting on december 1st um and I'm excited about it. I'm sure I'll talk about it then, but um, yeah. keep keep a keep a lookout for that. Um, it should be pretty weird. It's good stuff, uh, man. It's good stuff. Yeah. You ever read other things and then think back on things you've done and think, wow, I should have done what this person did. No, never. I, I look yeah, forward never. only. <laughs> I charge well, I, through life Unin- I read- un- uninhibited by my past. I read this book and kept thinking, oh, I should have done that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I should have done that. You know, it's, I'm just joking. Um, I, I yeah. have regrets all the time. Yeah. Great. Great stuff. Thanks for listening. Uh, yeah. Um, have a happy day and a happy tomorrow. Uh, make the most of every moment. Y'all life is uh, special and uh, we are special. Uh, little uh, Angels of nothing. the snowflakes falling no. from heaven. And, <laughs> um, and that's how that's how I really feel. 
you've run out of steam, Brad. I don't think so. I could keep yeah. going all day. <laughs> okay, okay. All day. Um, Angels of heaven. Okay. Thank bye you, Amanda. Thank it's wonderful you. having you. Okay. Thank bye. You. All right, goodbye. Bye.